Amen. Church, as you have a seat, turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm glad you're here. Tell your neighbor, I'm glad you're here. Now, now turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm sorry I ignored you. I'm glad you're here too, okay? All right. You gotta, you gotta spread the love, you know what I'm saying? So, in eighth grade, I had a serious problem. I mean, I had multiple problems, but I'm gonna tell you about just one because we only have that much time. But one of the big problems I had, being the top dog in junior high, was this. I didn't feel like the top dog. What, and the reason why is because I was the shortest boy in the class, okay? I wasn't just the shortest boy in the class, I was the shortest kid in the class. Four foot 11 in the eighth grade, 88 pounds, fully clothed, wearing a backpack full of books, that was my story. I show you a picture of my eighth grade graduation, but I, I can't because it, every time I look at it, it takes me backward in my walk with Jesus, so I can't, I can't do that. I'm wearing a beige suit, and I was short, my pants were short, my mom must have hated me. I don't know. I just, but it, I was, so it's like girl, girl, Monty, girl. I mean, it was, it was that bad. And the devil had convinced me that I would always be that shortest kid in the class. I would never grow beyond 4'11", as far as I'm concerned. In fact, he was so good at lying to me. You know what he convinced me of? My, my career path really had only two choices, okay? And I'll tell you what they were. Number one, a horse jockey, okay? That was an option. I, we didn't have horses, so we raised sheep. So I guess it'd be more of a, a sheep jockey. I, they only have those in Kentucky. But anyway, so uh, either a sheep jockey or I was going to work for Disney. And you're like thinking, oh my gosh, Disney. Well, that would be awesome. Okay, as one of the seven dwarves. That's what I would be, all right? Oh, that'd be fun. What, 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 you know, what dwarf would you be? Probably grouchy because I'm short. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what do you mean, what dwarf? I, uh, that was it for me. And I was convinced that I would not grow anymore. But then something happened my freshman year. I had what's known as a growth spurt. Praise God for that. He did love me. So I grew, and not only did I surpass a lot of most of the girls in the class, but I reached and exceeded a lot of guys in the class. I still didn't weigh 100 pounds, but you know what? It was progress, not perfection. You know what I'm saying? But, but I was convinced, you guys, that I would always be that. I don't know what lies you're believing today. I don't know what lies the devil has told you. It might be something with your physical appearance. It might be something emotionally. It might be something with your past. This whole series is about, um, well, I can't tell you the whole thing yet because there's a, there's a climax coming in a couple weeks, but I'll tell you this. It started in a garden, and it started with the devil casting doubt, getting Adam and Eve to believe a lie. That's what he did. The lie I believed in eighth grade, I was convinced. You couldn't talk me out of it. Adam and Eve, they were convinced that the fruit that the, the devil tempted them with was good and that it was pleasing, and that it was good for them. And he lied to them, and, 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 and they bought into it, and we've been buying lies ever since. The devil continually lies to you, and he lies to me. Pastor Casey brought the word last week. I'm so proud of him. I watched the message, you know, uh, by the pool. That's the way to watch the message, by the way. But it, it, it sounded so much better when you're, you know, when you're in 85-degree weather sitting by the pool. But Casey, I'm so proud of him. I put down Casey... Um, Case, where did, where did he put it here? Maybe I didn't put it, put it in my notes. Anyway, Casey, if you're watching, you did an awesome job. So, um, but the devil lies, and he tries to convince you that, you know, you're not enough. And maybe some of you, you're believing that today. Let me tell you who the message is for. And some of you, you might not even think it's for you, but it could be for you because maybe you're believing a lie. That you aren't enough. That you don't have what it takes. Right? That your best days are behind you. That no one loves you or no one could ever love you. That you're not good enough, you're not tall enough, you're not smart enough. 
that your dreams will never come true, that, that you're defined by your mistakes that you made last night, mistakes that you made last week, last month. But I'm telling you, as your pastor, I will never stop reminding you that you are not defined by your, by your failures. You're defined by your father, okay? You're defined by your father. So, and you're going to hear a lot about him today. I promise you that. Look up here for a second. Everything in your life that bad that happens, every sin that you've committed, you know what, you know what stems from? Believing a lie. Everything bad in your life is from believing a lie. Every sin, you've, you, you bought into a lie. It's like when they said, Monty, come camping with us. It'll be fun, right? Oh, you'll be one with nature. You'll live off the land. It'll be fun. And I'm like, I don't want to live off the land, okay? I want to live in my home with air conditioning and heat and indoor plumbing. So get behind me, Satan, and take your tent with you. You know what I'm saying? We believe a lie. Say truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And Jesus speaks nothing but truth, but the devil, as you're going to see, speaks nothing but lies. And here's the one thing I need you to know about the enemy. The only enemy that you have is the devil. And here's the thing about him. He can't defeat you. I know that sounds weird because you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, we're, aren't we defeated all the time? He lies to us, he deceives us. No, he can't defeat you. See, and he knows he can't defeat you, so what he convinces us to do is to defeat ourselves. See, see Adam and Eve in the garden... It wasn't the devil that took them out. It was their belief that took them out. I'll show you. I'll read it to you. Listen to this. In Genesis 3, if you brought a Bible, you got the mobile app. Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, literally means in the beginning. In Genesis 3, just listen to this. You'll see it. You'll see it so clearly. In verse 22, is where I'm only going to give you a few verses out of this passage, but you're going to get a lot of scripture today. So verse 22 then the Lord God said, now this is just after they had sinned, right? They'd ate the fruit. They, they'd been deceived by the enemy. And the Lord God said, look, human beings have become like us. Pause. God, what do you mean like us? It's who, who else is there besides you and them? It's interesting. This could be a whole nother, whole nother sermon. But us would be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus has always been. The Holy Spirit has always been. Right? So us would be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit having this, this communion together. And the Lord says, they become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life, the other tree? What if they do that and they eat it? Then they will live forever. Verse 23. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. He cast them out, you could say, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground... From which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed a mighty cherubim or, or angel to, to the east of the Garden of Eden. And he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Adam and Eve, I'll say it again. Why did they get banished? It wasn't because of Satan, it was because of their belief. It was because they were deceived by Satan. But he, see, Satan knows, again, that he can't defeat you. But if he can get you to defeat yourself, if he can get you to, if he can, how do I write it down? If he can control your thoughts, it's huge. If he can control your narrative or get you to think a certain thing about your life or your destiny or, or, or what God has for you or what God doesn't have for you, as he would say. 
I'll give you the main point right away because I was so excited to, as I put it down, this is totally a God thing. The life that you live is determined by the thoughts that you believe. I mean, the life that you live, it, it's, and you might hear this maybe a lot of different ways, but I'm telling you, the more that I study the scripture and the more that I, I look at this, this early story of the first two people that, that walked the earth, created perfect people, but then chose to, to, to do their thing instead of doing what God wanted for them. How often do we do that? Like, all the time. So, the life you live is determined by the thoughts that you believe. So, so Adam and Eve, they doubt. It starts with doubt. That's what Pastor Casey taught you last week. It starts with we doubt. And then what word did it lead to? Well, then they disobeyed. And when you doubt, and then you disobey, eventually what happens, because you're outside of God's will, you get discouraged. Okay? And, and it doesn't specifically say they were discouraged, but I guarantee you, when Adam and Eve were cast out of the perfect garden and on their own to do what they had to do to get by, they would have been discouraged big time. And I'm telling you, I've, I've shared a message before about discouragement, and that main point, when discouragement begins, hope ends. Discouragement is an absolute killer. It's like people don't quit when things get hard. People quit when they get discouraged. That's when they quit. That's when they quit. And discouragement would have set in for them. And I wonder if it set in for you in an area of your life. You know, the Bible speaks to this all over the place. Like, I started to look up scriptures about discouragement. I mean, we don't have the time. I'll give you a few. And it's so interesting. You'll see a theme in here. So check it out. I'll give you a few that, that I found. The first one is Moses talking to the Israelites. In Deuteronomy 31.8. He's speaking and he says, hey guys and gals, don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you and he will neither fail you or abandon you. Joshua 1.9. Now Joshua is leading the charge with the Israelites and speaking to them. He says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Right? What's the opposite? Discouragement? Obviously, Courage. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. You see a theme? They keep bringing up fear. Fear is always tied to discouragement. Always. I'll give you one more. First Chronicles 28.20. David speaking. Be strong and courageous. There it is again. Do the work. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Oh, my God. See, you have the power to not be a victim to what the enemy places in your mind or tries to place in your mind. Like, you have that power. If you're in Christ, you have the power to take thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. You know what that means? Well, you get to decide. You get to choose. See, we always find what we're looking for. We can believe the worst or we can think the best. You can find reasons to worry or live in fear, or you can possess life-changing faith. Say, I'm strong. Say, I'm courageous. See, I want us to start to own the promises of God. It's not based on how you feel. It's based on God's truth. Let him speak life into you. That's all he does is give truth. All he wants to do is pour into you. You know what the, you know all the devil wants to do? Lie to you. That's all he can do. Did you know that's all he speaks? Again, the word of God is the authority that tells us this. In John 8, 44, one of Jesus' closest disciples records this. He says, he's always hated the truth, talking of the devil, 
because there is no truth in him. Nothing he says is true. When he lies, it's consistent with his character. For he's a liar. In fact, he is the father of lies. I read this and I immediately thought about the time when Jesus got baptized. And remember where the spirit led him? Out in the desert? And crazy things happen in the desert. I just came from there. I'm telling you, weird things happen. We, we took a, we took a uh, ATV trip, eight, whatever, the, the all-terrain vehicles, you know, seats four, and we, we went up the, in the Sonoran Desert, and it's crazy, went way up in a mountain, and uh, my wife, God bless her heart, but you know, she, her and Ava, they both had to go to the bathroom, we're halfway through the trip. So we get towards the top of the mountain, and we all get out of our vehicles to, go, we hike up the rest to see the entire desert. It was amazing. So we get out of the vehicles, and my wife Jody's like, she said to the guy, she said, uh, is there a bathroom? And the guy's like, yeah, you're looking at it. You pick. You go wherever you want. So you find the nearest cactus. And here's what I found out about cactuses. When you're peeing by a cactus, you can't imagine how careful you are. I mean, it's, you're just, you're very cautious. I mean, I can, I can get, anyway, I'm not even going to, anyway. So you're very careful. At least I was, and so was my wife, I'm guessing. So where's the bathroom? I love her. So it's so funny. Um, so anyway, Jesus in the desert, when Jesus was in the desert, the devil tempts him three times. Some of you know the story. Jesus, all three times, how does he rebuke him? With truth, with the word of God. He keeps bringing truth back to the lie, truth back to the lie. That's why I need to give you so many promises out of the word of God today. I want to deposit truth in your life and truth in your heart, truth in your soul, truth in your story. You need that. I need that because we're, we're surrounded with lies all day, every day. We lie to ourselves. People lie to us. The devil lies to us. We need truth. Say truth. We need truth. So, so, so the devil, I love it. So the devil lies and dece- tries to deceive uh, Jesus. But Jesus rebukes him with truth, and you and I can do the same thing. I always like the story. I, I, I told it once before, but like when you're in Christ, and you say you give your life to Jesus, and I said this once before, where you, you give your life to Christ, now Jesus lives in you. And now you focus on him. Like if that's Jesus, Jesus, I'm walking towards you. Now the enemy can't do anything to touch you when you're in Christ because he's already been defeated. So he can't, he can't touch you, he can't like impress on you, uh, but, but he, can, he can deceive you. So if you're walking, you're fixed on Jesus, you're fixed on Jesus, and you're focused on Jesus. But the enemy, he, and he can reach out, and he can try to distract, and he can try to accuse you and deceive you and lie to you. Yeah, like you tried to do that with you, get behind me, Satan. So anyway, so he can do that, but he can't, he can't touch you unless you let him touch you. He can't impact you unless you let him impact you. That's the difference. In James 1.22, I don't know if I gave that scripture. I hope I did because the truth, yeah. So God's word is huge. I keep talking, I keep giving you God's word. Why? Because I know it's the truth that'll set you free. But here's the thing. If we don't take the truth and do something with it, faith without works is dead. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. As much as I love preaching you the word of God and inspiring you and, and encouraging you, Unless we do something with it, it won't matter. That's why, that's why what really excites me, in fact, fooling yourself, by the way, is deceiving yourself. Deceiving. Information without application is deception. Okay? Information, what we're getting, without applying it, that's deception. Oh, the service was so good. And I, as a pastor, we love hearing that. Oh, I loved your message, pastor. Loved the service. And that's awesome. But you know what I love even more? Pastor, I love the service. Here's what I did with it. Pastor, I love the message. Here's how I'm going to apply it. Here's how I'm going to, I mean, I'm telling you something. When we take what we learn on Sunday 
and we start to apply it to Monday, we, we, we bring it to work on Tuesday, we put it in our family on Wednesday, that's when you're strong. That's when you're courageous. That's when your life will change. Applying the word of God, it will change you. It will change you. And the devil wants you to think, oh, you're in church, you're good. That's a start. Oh, you're hearing the word of God, you're good. That's awesome. But unless you take what you learn and put it to practice, the devil's deceiving us. I wrote, we deceive ourselves when we hear the word of God, but don't do it. And then what happens? We get discouraged. Well, I'm going to church, but my life's not changing. But are you taking what you're learning from the word of God and applying it? That's what brings about the change. That's the key. That is the key. So let me, let me tie some Old Testament from Genesis, which you got in the garden, to a New Testament teaching out of the book of Matthew. This is, this is so amazing. When we start talking about discouragement, and, and, and the Bible has so much to say about it, you've already heard some, but this story, and some of you are familiar with it, when Jesus walks on the water, one of his greatest miracles, but I, I want you to catch something in the story that's so key to the message today. It's found in Matthew 14. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. Right? Old Testament is before Jesus, who's always been, before he came to earth. And New Testament is after Jesus came to earth as a human and after. So, New Testament, Matthew, one of the disciples, writes this. He, uh, 14, verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble in a faraway land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. See, some of you here today, some of you watching online or listening, here's the thing. You are in a battle. And you, might, you, you are fighting waves and wind. It might not be in the physical sense, but I'm telling you, it might be in a relationship. It might be um, in, in your mind. It could be um, a lie that you're believing. Something that is impressing on you. you you're, in, you're feeling the wind. You're feeling the waves, just like the disciples. Verse 25, 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus decides to show up. He's walking towards them on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, of course, they were terrified. There's the fear that sets in. Fear and deception follows fear. Remember that. Deception follows fear. So they're deceived in thinking, that's not Jesus. That can't be him. So they think it's a ghost, they say. It can't be anything else. But Jesus speaks at once. I love at once. He doesn't wait. He doesn't let them wallow in what they're thinking. He, at once he says, ah, it's okay. And what does he say? Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Some of you, you could, you could, that's all you needed to hear. Despite the waves that are hitting you, the wind that's slamming you in the face, take courage. Whatever the world throws at you, it, Jesus is enough. Jesus is there. Jesus is more than enough. Take courage. He says, I am here. And then Peter, you got to love Peter. Peter calls out, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Walking on the water. And Jesus is like, yes, Peter, come on, let's go. And, and so Peter, and Peter gets a lot of crap. Peter, Peter, the one who loses his temper, the one who cuts off a guy's ear out of, out of rage, the one who denies Jesus three times. But yet Peter, as, you're about to, as I'm about to read, the only one besides Christ who ever walked on water. So, I mean, I love that faith. So, so, so Jesus says, yeah, come. And it says, um, 
Peter gets over the side of the boat and walks on the water towards Jesus. But then, what does he see? He sees a strong wind, and he sees the waves. Well, Peter, you're supposed to fix your eyes on Jesus, right? Don't look at the wind. Don't look at the waves, because if you, you're going to focus on what you, what you fixate on is what you focus on. And that's where the fear stems from. So, so Peter looks at the wind. He looks at the waves, and what sets in? Fear. He was terrified. He began to sink. And he's like, save me, Lord. Oh, those are powerful words. I wonder who needs to cry out to God today with those words. Be, be the most powerful words you ever say. I always tell people the most powerful prayer I ever prayed. It wasn't long. It wasn't eloquent. It was in my car, and I was a mess. And I said, God, help me. That was it. There was no, in Jesus' name, there was no, like, intro. There was no even amen. It was, God, help me. I love Peter Christ. Save me, Lord. And, and what's the next word? Immediately. You think God loves to see us hurting? No, he hurts when we hurt, the Bible says. God cares for you more than you could possibly fathom. Jesus immediately reaches out and grabs him. And then he says, Peter, you have so little faith. So why did you doubt me? You know, and he's not mad. It's not like he's rebuking Peter. Peter just walked on the water. All the other ones are sitting in the boat. So Peter walks on the water, and Jesus is like, Peter, I'm right here. Peter, just stay, remember, just stay focused on the truth. Stay focused on your faith. Stay focused on me. But as soon as Peter got his eyes off his father and onto his fear, what happens? He begins to be deceived. And he believes the lie. Oh my God, I'm going down. Oh my God, I'm going to drown. Oh my God, Jesus, you're, you're, you're not big enough. Jesus, you're not strong enough. Jesus, is that even you? Jesus, are you, are you going to be here? Jesus, are you going to reach out your hand? And he starts to doubt these things. It's what we do. Here's my question for you. What lies have you been believing about your narrative, about your story? Because that's what impacts us the most. It's not what's happening out here. A lot of this is a smokescreen. We make it bigger than it is. It's what's happening here. And what we allow to, to, to what, what we allow ourselves to believe. What lies are you believing? The life you live is determined by the thoughts that you believe. The life that you live is determined by the thoughts that you believe. And some of us, you might be believe, believing thoughts that, as I say, God is good, you're doubting that. And you've gone through tragedy. And you've gone through tremendous hurt. It might be a loss of a loved one. It might be a, a, a breakup, a divorce, an addiction. Many of us are familiar with that. A deception. The devil wants nothing more than to turn the tables and make you think that God is the bad guy. He, would, he loves to do that. That's what he's in the business of doing. And you might, you might even be thinking about the garden. Like, God, why would you even create that tree? Remember the tree that they ate from? It was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God, why would you even create that? There's the tree of life. It's so beautiful. It gives life. You get to live forever. It's awesome. The tree of knowledge and good and evil had to be there. And you know why? Because it represents your choice and my choice to choose. That's what it represents. See, we can choose to trust God. Or we can choose to do things our own way. Trust God or do things our own way. I've done things my own way. It hurts. 
It's painful. And some days I still do it because I'm not that smart, I guess. So, but you can trust God. Love always involves a choice. I've told you that numerous times. I never want you to forget it. You, you can't force love. I wrote it down this way, and I got to say it like I wrote it. If I can, yeah. Without choice, we are a prisoner, and the love is hollow. <laughs> our kids' ministry. <laughs> they see, I love our kids' ministry. They know how to party. They know how to party. You give it up for our, I mean, that's our most important ministry that you're hearing. They're partying, they're eating candy. Yeah, they're hearing about Jesus. They'll get that, but let them party. Let them have fun. So, the garden and the tree. God doesn't want you to be a prisoner forced to love him. God wants you to choose to love him. He has nothing but good things for you. So they eat the fruit in the garden. And what happens? They become unlike God. Because the devil convinced them they weren't like God, which was a lie. They were created in God's image, but they believed it. So they ate the fruit. Now they're unlike God. Now what the devil's saying is actually it came true because of their disbelief and their deception and their doubt. So they eat the fruit and they become unlike God. They're, they're, they're no longer sinlessness, but they have sin. They're no longer immortal. Now they're mortal. But did God still love them? I mean, he banished them. That sounds so harsh. How can you just kick them out, God, if you're a God of love? I mean, God, you know we mess up. You give them the boot? Really? Let's go back to the very first verse I gave you today. Genesis 3.22. Then the Lord God said, look, human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. Now listen. What if they reach out and take the fruit from this tree now, the tree of life, and they eat it? They'll live forever. I can't have that. You see, he banished them, not because he didn't love them. He banished them because he did love them. See, see, God knew in their broken state, in their mortal state, in their sinful state, that if they ate from the other tree, they would live forever in that state. That was never God's plan. I don't know what you're going through today, but I'm telling you something. It's temporal. God, if you needed hope today, it's temporal. I don't know how long it'll last. But I guarantee you it's temporal because of God's love for us. I always think, I always, and I'm guilty, you guys, of questioning God's goodness in my narrative and my story. Like, God, why would you even allow a drug addiction to last so long? Could have been quick. Why not just a quick addiction and then all of a sudden I'm redeemed and I'm better and I could have been pastoring and living an abundant life years ago. It was so painful. And why all the, all the hurt that you could have stopped? Was that his choice or my choice? Right? It's so funny how I blame God for anything bad in my life, and then I rarely give him credit for the things that are good. I just assume that, you know, that's just good things are going to happen. In a, in a sinful, fallen world, we shouldn't assume that. Every, everything good is a blessing from God. Everything good is a blessing from God. God, why would you... Allow me to hurt so many people. I'll never forget the day that I lost hope, more than once, actually. And I literally thought, God, you're done. If you did exist, you, and you, I never really doubted his existence, 
But I remember thinking, I'm done. Or, or, or more um, accurately, he was done with me. It had been so long. And I was frustrated at him, and I'm sure he was like looking at me saying, you've got a choice. I'm right here. But I remember thinking, he's done. And now I look back, I know he, he wasn't done with me. I thought he was, but when I thought he was done with me, guess what? He was holding me. I didn't know it. When I thought God had given up on me, you know what? He was actually protecting me. I look back now and I see it. I didn't see it in the moment. You don't see it in the moment. He was not only protecting me, but he was protecting my family. That's what he was doing. And on the days that I thought God had literally left me, and I thought that on some days, on the days that I thought God had left me, guess what? He was right where he always was. And I'm telling you, God is there for you. He's never left you. We leave him, but he won't leave you. He won't. And he hasn't. And if you feel far from him, he's not the one who's moved. Come back. Say, come back. You gotta come back. God, he loved them so much. The Father's love for, for Adam, and it blows me away. You know, the Bible, you hear a lot about sacrifices. Especially in the Old Testament, they're, they're making sacrifices to God. They sacrifice a, 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 an animal or a bird, and, and they spill the blood. And many of you know that that would represent the, the, the covering of their sins. And God loves the, the, the sweet smell of sacrifice. Do you know the very first sacrifice in the Word of God? It wasn't a sacrifice for God. It was a sacrifice from God. I just read to you Genesis 3:22, when they were banished from the garden. Can I go to 21 and give you the prelude? Verse 21, and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and Eve. So God makes a sacrifice, kills animals to make clothing for Adam and for Eve. Th those are the same animals that when God created them, he said they're good. They're good. But Adam and Eve, you're made in my image. But they let you down. I know, but I love them. But you banish them. Remember, that was actually not to hurt them, to help them. The first sacrifice, it blows me away. So he kills animals and he clothes them. Did God have to do that? No. Why did he do that? He loved them. Yes, they mess up. Yes, you mess up. Yes, I mess up. But God loves them so much. And now they know they're naked. And they, they have the shame and they have the guilt. And God covers them with clothing. Oh, the love of the Father, it blows me away. The sacrifice, you make a sacrifice for us? But we're the ones who are screwing up. And God's like, I know. But I keep chasing you. I tell you, that's the Bible. God creates. We sin. And from Genesis 3 to Revelation, God chases you let him catch you God let him catch you let me fill you with some truth you're loved you're valuable 
you are worthy. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has placed like his greatness inside of you. And I'm telling somebody in this place, the best is yet to come if you choose to believe it. I'm saying, do you believe it? I said, do you believe it? If you believe it, let him hear you say, I believe it. Shout, I believe it. Let him know you believe it, God. We believe you're good. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. I know I'm messed up. God, I thank you for chasing me and chasing you. The sacrifices, the life we live is determined by the thoughts we believe. What is God trying to tell you today? Some of you, you already know if it's true, I'll go all in. If it's not, you're out. But what I'm giving you is truth. Adam and Eve believed a lie. And that decision in the garden, it led to a grave, didn't it? Remember, they did lose their mortality. They were never supposed to die. Neither were you or neither were I. But here we are. Which leads us to the gospel. Those animals that God killed to make clothing, they weren't the only sacrifice God gave. He gave something much greater. His son. It's crazy. I just thought about this. I'm going to read you something. Scripture, of course, because I'm a pastor and that's just what I should do. So I'm meeting with my group before I went on vacation. And we're going through the New Testament and we're in a book that maybe you've never even heard of, a book called Titus. And Apostle Paul is writing to a guy named Titus. Go figure. It's one of the few personal letters, personal letters written to somebody, but also to you and I for today. In that book, it blows me away. What blows me away about the Word of God is if you, if you remember how I said you find what you're looking for? I start looking for the, the gospel in the Word of God. I find it everywhere. That story about the, the killing of the animals, boom! God gives a sacrifice for man and for woman. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all over. So Titus, a book that can be so easily overlooked. Verse, or chapter 3, I couldn't shut up about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, we don't just have to go to like John 3, 16. Great scripture, I love it. But that's not the only place the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Listen to this. Titus 3, verse 3. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. What? Who, us, God? God's like, yeah, you. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Have you been there? I have. Our lives were full of envy, evil. We would hate each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done. You can't do enough. You can't be good enough. Do good people go to heaven? No. Save people go to heaven. Save people. Listen, it's what he's saying right here. But because of his mercy, oh, he had mercy on Adam and Eve. Oh, he has mercy on you. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth. That's what it means to be born again. And new life through the Holy Spirit. He genuinely, I love that, poured out his spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We are saved by Jesus. Because of his grace, he made us right. Not because of what you do or I do, but because of what he's already done. And gave us confidence that, he, that we will inherit eternal life. 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing's more important, nothing's more valuable. It's a picture all through the word of God. I'm telling somebody, call on the name of the Lord. Ask Jesus to truly come into you and make you new. When you do, your life will change. It might not on the spot change, but it will change. I promise you, it's all over the word of God. And I, I, I tell people, I tried hundreds of times to, to clean up my act. Could never do it. Hundreds of times to quit doing drugs, get sober, start loving people the way I'm supposed to love people. Could not do it until the day that I surrendered everything. Will you surrender everything? Those of you watching online, I'll never stop reminding you or telling you, type I choose Jesus in the comments. Fix your eyes on him. I choose Jesus. Text Jesus or text I choose Jesus to 474747. You can do that whether you're watching online, whether you're watching two years from now, it don't matter. In the room you can do it, or there's cards, you can mark down what God's doing in your heart right now. It's the best decision you'll ever make. There is no Easter unless you do this. There is no reason to celebrate unless you do this, unless you go all in. God keeps sacrificing for us. Go all in for him, you won't regret it. And does that mean the devil will leave you, leave you alone? Absolutely not. I'll be honest with you. He'll come after you even more. But you've got the spirit of a living God inside of you. He can't touch you. He can only distract you and, and cast out and, and lie to you. But he can't touch you. The devil will continue to lie to you. Wrote it down. He'll continue to lie to you. But I want to encourage you. Everybody in this place, I want to encourage you today. Be strong. Be courageous and know that in Christ, your best days are not behind you, but your best days are ahead of you. Does somebody believe it? Does somebody believe it? I believe it, Jesus. We receive it in your name. I'm going to pray for you. I hope you'll join us next week as we finish up at this location and prepare for a new chapter where God is leading us. He's got a new chapter for you. Stop believing the lies. Stop doubting. Believe. Sell out. Go all in. And some of you, you're like me. You're 95% in. Can I lovingly tell you? That's 100% out. The one thing that I wouldn't give up is the one thing that held me back from everything God had for me. Give up the one thing. Give up that one thing. Let us pray for you after the final song. Let us, let, let us love you. Let us walk with you. Give it up to God. If you do, the best will be yet to come. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I thank you for your word and your truth. Oh my gosh. The love you have on us as sinners blows me away. Adam and Eve do the exact thing you tell them not to do. Like, like you can have all this, just don't do that one thing. And they do it. And what do you do? You love them. I mean, there's consequences. But your love never wavered. In fact, your love is so evident that you would 
you would make sacrifices for, for, for sinners like them to protect them, to clothe them, to provide provision as they have to go out and toil. God, the way you love blows us away. Fix our mind on you, Father. Help us believe the truth. God, help us cast out the lies that we've been told about ourselves or about our family, maybe about our destiny, about who we're going to be or how we're going to end up. People don't know that. You know that. You decide that. And actually, the truth is, we decide that based on what we believe and how we live. Father, I thank you for the people that are selling out to you today, that are going all in. We're not waiting for Easter to celebrate new life. Jesus Christ has come. He was dead, but today he lives. And because of that, by faith, we can accept it and be made new. God, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for second chances. Thank you for your, your power that's available to us, God. The Spirit of the Lord, you're in this place. May you be in us. And may you continually change us and make us new. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.